with what he's doing, that uh, in the beginning some things feel difficult, you know, but then they flow out and come into a flow. And that's what authenticates them for me, that they, they grow into a, an open space. And I've seen that over the, over the time, that there's some people who stayed and some people who couldn't stay with it. And they come back and they feel it's much lighter, things are much more developed and more smooth. So they can enter the flow now, at this stage. But I really feel for those who have been here in the grind from when the most, you know, for when things were strained and we had to stick together and work and, and you know, it's not the end of that because there are new things coming, which will become old things as well too, or will grow. They don't become old things, they grow and stay in their freshness, you know. I'd rather say that than they, they're old things. They, they, they stay in their freshness, in their truth. I know that the, uh, such beings are in some, they're in the embrace of the cosmic harmony, you know, because they're one, they must be one with it on some level to be in service to that like that. And there are some jobs that just need to be done, there are some things that just need to be done. And they may start off like a challenge, but they, they, then they start to show and reveal their, their, their hidden powers. You know, that's the work of God. Sometimes they start like, oh my God, how can I do this? How can I know if I have no? But as they unfold, they start to reveal their hidden powers and their fragrance and stuff that you couldn't see before, but you had to open the door of your heart to them, and they, they opened their fragrance in you. This is the work. Uh, the work of the mind is different. The work of the mind usually comes from some private projection. And because it is selfish by nature, it tends not to flow with the universality, because the universe is the mother that takes care of everything. You see? Now, if it has a child that just wants to take care of itself, it loves that child too, but it knows that this one has to learn. This is the aspect of me, the seed of mine, that has to grow in a different way. So sometimes I see it has to be left alone. It has to feel the bite of the sun and no rescue for a while, so that it has to find, it has to soften up from inside, so that when it's softened up inside, it becomes more universal. You know? Because if it stays personal and private, it's going to suffer and it will perish also. You know? Then its life will be felt hard. You see, its life will be felt very hard. But the one who is uh, somehow a servant to the universe, not with any arrogance, but they have let go into the stream of existence. So the whole of life is taking care of them. The sun take care of them. The rain take care of them. The wind take care of them. The earth take care of them. The travelers take care. Everything take care of them. You see, as one of the the adiths of the prophet say, that when God 
uh, is creating the world. You say when God created the world, but for me, God is always creating the world. He put this message to the world: "O world, serve those who serve me, who is the truth, and make tired those who serve you." You see, and even this is a great blessing, because by making them tired, they exhaust. They break their dreams because their dreams are really delusions, and then when they're broken, then they will come the aspiration to serve the true. When they choose to serve the true, the truth look after them. But when they serve themselves, the truth look after them, but from a distance. It makes you make your mistake and feel the burn of your own mistake. That's also a growing, but it's a painful growing. You see, but from the highest standpoint, every seed. Has some fortune about it, even the painful ones. But it's better not to walk that path. You know why go through a path of pain when your path could be a path of joy? Easy. Selfishness will bring the pain, but surrender and you know offering your life up to the supreme will. Uh, some so many things take care of you. You know. God comes in many forms to take care of you. The stranger will take care of you, like I say. The wind, the rain, thunder, lightning, everything take care of you. You see. And the most beautiful part is that you come to see it. You know, because the God is taking care of everything, but the real beauty is when they come to see it. If they don't come to see it, sometimes they they are still lost in their own projection. You see, but you come to see it. So the greatness of life is not that God is taking care of you; He is taking care of everything. But you come to see that, and when you come to see this, then you say, "My God, thank you so much, thank you so much." You see, but He's not taking care of you personally. Take care of you personally as well. You know, while the personal seed is there for a while, you take care of even that will take care because you know that, you know, it's like Solomon. No, he said that Solomon. He was a very humble person, and then one day God appeared to Solomon in a dream, and said to Solomon, "Solomon, you know, you are a very humble person, and you love to serve the people. You see, I'm very pleased with you. Ask for me whatever you want, and I give to you." Solomon said, "Give me wisdom, so that I can rule the people wisely." God says, "I'm very pleased. Very pleased, because you could ask for money, you could ask for gold, you could ask for fame, but you didn't ask. You asked for wisdom. You want to serve the people. You didn't ask selfishly. So what I'll do is I'll make you the wisest person on the earth. I'll give you all the wisdom, but not only that. I'll give you all the riches also because you don't want it. And I'll give you everything also because it's not what you want. You see." You understand. So he became known as the wisest person and the most, you know, uh, rich. You see, and that even when Queen of Sheba was coming to visit him, you see, I think she sent some presents because she was known to be powerful and wealthy. You see, and it was it was like she came with, um, like, with great things to give to him as an offering, you know, meeting, you know. But when she offered her presence, no, like this, 
his presence to her was much more than that. It was her obligation to make present to him. But then he presented her with much more than she gave him, out of humility and love, you know. And so that really humbled her. And so that's how they fell in love. You know? And out of the coming together of Solomon and the Queen of Sheba, they became sort of like the lineage through which even Emperor Haile Selassie is a direct descendant of Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. You know? This is proven thing. You know? And uh, very beautiful. Selassie, yeah, he's yeah. the king, isn't he? Of, uh, yeah, he was the emperor of, mm-hmm. of Ethiopia. But um, the, my point was, he didn't ask for things. He didn't ask for selfish mm-hmm. things. He asked only for unselfish things. Give me wisdom so that I will know how to mm-hmm. you see, rule the people. And he was beautiful in his wisdom. Mm-hmm. Tell you one of Solomon's stories. Yeah. Two women appeared to Solomon. One of them is crying. She said, this woman has stolen my baby, and he's saying, it's her baby, but it's my baby. So Solomon says, what do you have to say about it? She says, this woman is crazy. The child is my child. She has this fantasy that it's her child, you see? And she's making all this noise, but it's my child. So both women are saying, but it's my child, and nobody knows how to prove it. So Solomon says, okay, let me tell you what I'll do. Bring me a sword. I'll cut the child in half, and I'll give you half, and I'll give you half the child, like this. And so one woman say, Okay. The other one said, No, give her the child. Let her take the child. So Solomon says, You who say, Let her take the child, you are the real mother. Because yes. the real mother would not have accepted that you give half half. Mm. His wisdom was like that, sharp. Yeah, sharp mm-hmm. like a sword. So you offer your life, so to speak. It's not even like it's yours anyway. You only get the the privilege of having the sense of having a life to offer. <laughs> but you offer to God what is God. And even you who is offering, you are also God. But in the play of what is auspicious and righteous duality, you see, you offer please take this life, whatever it is that you've made. And just turn it into your put it play put hide me in your heart. <laughs> yes. huh? Merge me in your heart. Don't let me belong to me. Let me belong to only you. you see? Then how can your life be anything but auspicious and beautiful? Why human beings we don't uh, we haven't learned this. With all our experiences, how many things we have done, how many things we seem to have made, but we haven't made anything. It's God has made things through us. You know, we are creating, but God create the creators. You see? We think we are creating something, but it's the God self that is creating using us, which is only Him. We are we are only the tools. You can say that. That's one way of putting it. Ultimately, there is no us, it's only God. All of this is God. You, me is God. This that is God. Everything is God. God is playing.
beloved Gurudev, I offer these flowers of faith at your feet. Whatever I have, you have given to me, and I dedicate it all to you. I have no love, nor do I know you. I don't even have the strength to worship you. But this mind of mine, this body of mine, my every atom is dedicated to you. You are the only one in my heart and my thoughts. You are the one I call out to. Make me your instrument. All I am, I offer to you. 